Good morning, church. How's everybody doing this morning? It's always great to be here. I love my church. And everybody in I want to welcome you guys here to our service as we did earlier. Today is April 1st, and uh, we have April 1st in Turkey too. And uh, I remember one day uh, I tried to pull a, I tried to pull my mom, and uh, I, I had my sister call my mom and said, "Hey, tell my sister, tell my mom that I had a heart attack and it's not me." And this wasn't a good idea. But I was, I was, 16, I was 16 years old. And my sister calls my mom. My brother, I think he's he's in a heart attack. Something happened to him. And uh, and, and I I must have called back. But when I went home, my mom, we had a we had this big you know piece of you know wood. She opened the door. She took this. She said, Come here. Come here. She this. And she she laid it on my head once. So if you do it again, that's not for me. You know what I'm going to do to you? Oh, no, I'm sorry. That wasn't a good idea. I'm not going to... I'm sorry, but she's like, you better walk, Sam. So, uh... She's going to walk. That's not the way to say the pool, but I understood it. Uh, well, I want to welcome you guys again. I have the privilege today, an honor and a blessing to be able to share about the cross, as well as part of my life. And as you all know, today's April 1st, April Fool's Day, we're going to go out and share our faith. And in, in the spirit of sharing what God has done in our lives, you know, we've, we've become fools, don't we, sometimes? People in the world think, what are you talking about? That doesn't make any sense. I think you were a fool. I don't know if you can relate to that. But I, I, I've experienced this with my own family. And through uh, the middle of the term, fool is world deficiency. And I was thinking, if we are souls for something, you know, we want to make sure we're fools for the right thing, amen? And we can be fools for many things. I remember looking at my life, I was fool about, I was just waiting this out. And that was, you know, my, that is what, what consumed my life. I, I was just crazy about it. I was fool for something, I was fool for nightclubs. My little chicken bomb and a jean. It was pretty sad, but I was fool about it. And, and as I think about how God changed my life to become a fool for Christ, I want to share part of my life in my journey. And my name is Hawk Ironman, for you guys who don't know, I'm from Singles Ministry, and uh, the awesome Singles Ministry. And I was praying asking what, what God wants to share today, and I feel like you my heart to share part of my life. And, I, and how I came along with, with the cross. And the cross. And when I think about the cross, you know, besides its rescuing power, the cross also stands for its healing power in my life. When I, when I realized I was spiritually wounded and bleeding, I saw my desperate need to embrace the cross. You know, as a former Muslim, I grew up in a very broken home. My mom and my father were constantly arguing at home. And there was so much verbal abuse in the home. And from time to time, it actually turned to physical abuse. I remember one day my father was, was in the kitchen. My mom was praying to my sister. And I was like, little girl, they didn't realize that was, I was 
seeing them. I remember my mom screaming, my father put his hand on my mother's throat and he pushed her against the walls. And she was pregnant, he had a knife in her hand. I thought my father was going to kill my mom that day. And I thought my it was absolutely it was absolutely terrifying. I can't describe how little it felt in my heart. And my father was so angry and just you know completely controlled all day. And I remember him running onto a balcony and screaming out of his out of his lungs. And he was so close to jumping out of a four-story balcony. I said, my father's gonna commit suicide. And, and I remember in my mind like those times are like they're still sitting in my heart. I can like, picture it. And it was it was horrifying. Those fearful moments of my youth was was really damaging to my soul. It created so much insecurity. And it left me really, really confused. Timid and wounded deeply. I, I remember as a kid, I was like, can I Am I ever going to feel lonely again? I remember thinking about my future. I'm going to be just like my dad. If I'll be married one day, I'll probably fail in my marriage. And, and nothing is going to work out. And I feel just insecure. I'll go to school and I won't talk to anybody. Only when I play soccer, I'll go to school and fly. And, and I started thinking, I'm not, I'm not normal. There's something wrong about me. And my mom was a very religious person. She was loving but very religious. I remember my mom, and when she was four years old, she took a year and a half every day sitting at home and studying Arabic just to read the Quran's original text. It's hard to learn that. And she would spend so much time, five, six hours a day, and I'm like, why is she doing this? She must still love God. And she prayed to Allah all the time. All the time. She was faithful. But, but the reality is nothing changed. Our home become more and more broken. And there was no risk, there was no healing. As a teenager in my college years, I was heavily involved in playing sports. Being a competitive soccer player kept me away from the challenging part of life. When I realized that I can no longer play soccer due to an injury, which was a company of professional soccer career, and I put my hopes in. You know, I wasn't building really on rock, but that was my hope, that was my God. I definitely will accomplish this. I will make it happen. And that will fulfill my life. But it just ends. Like the sand crashing down one day, which is over. I got hit, concussion, broke my face, had a surgery. They said, you can't play right again. And um, that's when really everything went really down. And I was like, I don't care about life anymore. I don't really want to do anything. It's okay. I'll survive somehow. And I, at 24, I came, I came to America. I came here, my friend took me. It was a cultural exchange student program. I said, hey, let's go. But I came with somewhat hope. Maybe something will change. I didn't know how to speak English. And it was really hard to adapt. I was trying to learn a language. I couldn't get a job. Um, it was a, an amazing journey to the cross at the end. I had to learn how to speak first. And I worked at Six Plus Very America, um, selling popsicles for a long time. It was very different than playing soccer. The, the time, it's very different. I became illegal. And, and I worked at a gas station for several years, and that was also very different. The time goes by a lot slower when you're at a gas station. It doesn't go very fast. It was a nice shift. 
Eventually, things have gotten better in my life, and I believe it was God. I managed to stay here. I started doing some modeling work and became a personal trainer in Florida. And that's where I came and started. I started gratifying my sinful nature in so many different ways. My love went to, it, it's gotten into a destructive pattern. They came with sexual morality, using and, and manipulating many women in my life. I was, I was completely numb, completely numb toward them towards their feelings. I didn't even consider their needs or whether, whether I would hurt them. When I think about it, I was really all about me. And I went from lying to my parents to stealing money from work to using drugs. And I was like, I was like, when I look back at my life, wow, like, what, what happened to my life? I just kept declining and felt more empty. And eventually, the wounds in my heart got deeper and deeper, leading me to a really empty and, and fulfilled and broken life. I remember being here in California three years ago. I came in with big plans. Although I was broken, I said, I just need to push through and make it. Make my desires, my plans, my dreams. And I realized it was a moment in my life where I, I was like, you know, wait a second, stop. I told myself, I realized that my desires wasn't going to fulfill my life. I felt it in my heart, and I was, I was desperate for God. I said, I need to find God. I believe in Him, but I just, I think that's what I'm looking for. And I started reading the Quran. I knew that I had to read it, and I'm like, God's going to be here. I saw my mom reading it, and, and I read it over and over, and nothing really changed. I, I remember reading this book right here, this Bible that was given to me, and I was 32 years old. When I opened the book for the first time, I had no idea what this was about. And I stopped reading it, and it was hard to understand. And I read the book of James, and it said, What's your life? You're a little mist that appears for a little while and it vanishes. I said, That makes sense. And, and I started reading more. And it just really blew my mind. I didn't know about this. If I knew this when I was like younger, things would have been completely different. And I realized that, I remember what I'm reading is, so I realized that, oh my God, this is the Word of God. This is, this is what I'm looking for. I, I remember getting that. I was sitting in my living room, and I realized that this was the Word of God. It was an amazing love story. And I'm reading about Jesus and how He loved me, and how He said, love your enemies. And I'm like, this is a very different teaching, different than Quran or anything else my mom told me, anything else I, I heard. It's very different. And I, and I met Joe Lendia, which I'm very thankful for. And I studied the Bible with them, and Martin tells there to help me. And they were so helpful, I'm so thankful for them, the people who have helped me become a Christian. And it was two years ago when I became a Christian. And God really rescued my life, and I'm so thankful for them. And when I came in, in contact with the love of Christ, my entire life changed. I feel healed for the first time, I felt happy and joyful and purified from my sin. My sin really messed my heart. I knew, my conscience was clear, I knew what I've done. And how many lives I affected and my old self died eventually. I love my new life. It is awesome. And Christ with with becoming a Christian, obviously the persecution came. And I became a fool. 
You know, I, they told me I was brainwashed. Everybody that I love told me. My friends, family, people I love. I'm coming to brainwashed. You did it for women, just tell us why you did it. I, I, I was told that I sold my identity. That we didn't know you, you worked this much. We thought you were a man. I said, you, you worked nothing. And I remember my mom was going to say, I don't want to come to this time. We're, we're ashamed of you. And some, some told me that I was lonely in America and I became religious. But who cares? I was a fool for Christ. And, and the truth is, I knew Christ, I knew his transformative power and his love. You know when you don't know it in your heart, nothing really matters. And my mom is so mean, and she rejected me as her son. I love my mom. I love her. We, I've described before, but you know, in the, in the home, I, just, I would like love my mom, just joke with her, I pick her up and carry her around the house. Just like, and that woman just suddenly turned against me. And, uh, and she told she told me many things such as, don't call me anymore, I don't love you, you're, you're, I'm ashamed of you, um, I, I wish I never had you. And that was really painful. It wasn't, it wasn't the persecution. Like, what hurt me is hurt me about how much she must be really, really bad when she sings things to my she loves me. But it was, it was religious for me. And I, and I started praying to God. I prayed. I knew I had to persevere through the trials and challenges, and I continue to share the word of God and the love that I felt. And I kept preaching. I kept telling my mom how great this God is. And I tried to display the love, not only just saying, but I any chance I get, I think to love my family. They're gonna love me. And eventually God did miracles. It was a lot quicker than I thought. Eventually God has changed and I don't know how he did it, but in about a year or two, they completely changed and when I went back home, my mom apologized for me or persecuted me, which I couldn't believe. But but right but now after loving my family now, my cousin and my brother in law, they want to study the Bible. Then they told me that my brother-in-law thinks to me, I can't wait for you to come, maybe you can show me the way. I want to find out, but I, I don't know, I'm really confused. And he's like, oh, this is enough, I really want to find out. And my cousin was getting married this summer, also wants to study the Bible, I sent her some scriptures and she told me, can you explain me what this really means? What does Jesus mean in this scripture? And, and I really want to know what it means to the church. And uh, his spirit and us were so powerful that when we open our mouth, he does the rest. He's so amazing. And as we as we go as we go out today, I know we're gonna go out and, and we're gonna preach the word of God today, amen. And uh, it's it's always uh, it's always supposed to go out and, and share our faith and um, and we become we become fools for Christ. The Bible says, I'm gonna read a scripture here in First Corinthians. Chapter 1, verse 18. Listen to this. It says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it's power of God. For it's written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. It's First Corinthians 18, I'm sorry. It's 18, First Corinthians chapter 18, 18, verse 24. 18, verse 24. He says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and intelligence, and the intelligent I will frustrate. 
Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand miraculous signs and reason for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. So as we look at scripture, as we look at it, it is a it, it is a mystery of foolishness to those who don't believe God and to the Gentiles. And when we go out and share our faith, for those who don't believe, it is an unusual message. They're looking at what are you talking about? I don't get it. But I want to encourage you today as you go out there and share your faith in your story and change from eternal history. And when I look at our church cross, I want, I, want, I, want, I want to talk about it. I don't want to go out. It, it, it can be intimidating to share our faith. It can be hard. And I know that when I think about it, the world, the world is probably looking at you as, as losers, as fools. Can you, can you relate? Telling you that you are being a fool and missing a lot in life. That is not the truth. You are a new generation of God's people in His kingdom. And, you're, and we applaud you. And right. you know deep inside that those around you, particularly you, want to have the same life that you have. Deep inside, they know that there's something waiting for you. They just don't know where, they don't know how to get it. But you can be hopeful for it. You are the hope. You are the light in this world. Parents, you know, you honor me. I love the marriage of your parents. And you inspire me. You know, and I want to be one like you. I want to be like you one day. Maybe. Hopefully. I'm praying for it. Amen. And I want to encourage you that you be a fool for Christ for your kids. You are the model of Jesus for them. And let them let them see you pray, God pray. Let them see you share your faith and worship story. No, let them see you hear, let them hear you apologize when you do wrong. Amen? And let them see you resolve conflict so that the kids can see you being a fool for Christ. And they can really see what it means to be a godly man and woman. Amen? I want to lift up women. Now, I heard about this amazing woman today. And I heard so many things about it. I heard it was awesome. And, and there were so many Christians as well as so many visitors. And you guys are amazing women of God. So let's, let's do the hard work. I feel like you were it down the big part. But well, the hard work now starts, which is let's get into our lives. Let's follow up with them. Let's become friends. Let's take genuine interest in their lives. Let's love them. Let's get to know them. And God will bless them. And we'll continue to pray for these women so that God will open their hearts. And He will bless your efforts. He will bless them. But that's where we need to crucify ourselves. We share our faith, but the hardest part I feel like is just to enter their lives. 
I'm going to nail my left across every day to call my friends. Hey, do you want to hang out? Let's go have a coffee. Let's go play soccer. Let's, let's hang out. It takes a genuine interest and love to enter our lives if we want to show them what Christ is. They need to see that in our lives. I mean, you are amazing. I want to encourage you and implore you to keep persevering, keep connecting with these, with these women. And if you're visiting today, if you are visiting today, I want to encourage you how to be a fool for Christ and how to live a godly life. It will change your life forever. And we're here to help you. We're here to study the Bible with you. We're here to show you the way. This is not because we're religious. It's not because it's a duty. Because we want to share the love and the hope that God brought into our lives. And He has transforming power. Your life can change. We all need healing. We all need the cross. We all need to make it to heaven. And that's why Christ died for us on the cross. And church, I want to encourage you today and challenge you today because you go out. Some of us will be tempted to just hold back. Don't do that. Christ died for you. Yes, to save your life. Amen. For you to make it to heaven. But he also wants you to reach out to others. I feel like he's crying across every day saying, Come, can you please open your mouth? Can you please say something? Trying to reach out to the soul here for you. That's why I saved you. Don't hold back. Amen, church. And don't be fools for Satan. He will fool you. He will say, No, he's not open. She's not open. Now, next person. That's Satan. And he, he will fool us. But remember the God who died on the cross that lives within you now in the greater power. And when I think about it, we just need to open our mouth. God says, go paramount, and I'll do the rest. I will give you works. That's all we need to do. Anyway. In Revelation 12, 11, I want to read the scripture as we go out today. As you minister to God's people, as you minister to those who are lost. I love the scripture in Revelation 12, verse 11. It says, in Revelation 12, 11, it says, They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by, by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much to shrink from death. When we go out to church today, we're going to be passing conversations, brothers and sisters. And my encouragement to you is, I've been praying for the same thing. My encouragement to you is that don't just send out invitations. Take one minute to share your testimony. The Bible says that you overcome Satan by the word of your testimony. It is so powerful. It is so powerful. As you preach, as you share your life and your transformation, that one or two minutes can change that person's eternal destiny. Remember that. Remember that your life is so powerful in Christ. And that your life can really change and your discipline can change their eternal destiny. So if you look at the cross today, we remember how God saved all of us. When his blood purified us, his body was, was crushed for each one of us. It's amazing. It's amazing. Nobody ever did sacrifice anything for me. But he did it for, for you and I, so that we be saved. So that this world can be saved through us, church.
There's so many lost souls out there waiting for us today. So let's have the courage and boldness. And let's, let's proclaim and preach the gospel fearlessly and boldly. Amen. God will give you power. Pray about it. And he will move through you powerfully. Amen, church? Thank you for your time. Let's go and pray for the cross. Let's take our hearts to the cross today and meditate on what Jesus did for us. Amen. Amen. Father, God, there's no one like you, Father. Your, your, your transforming power, Lord, change our lives. Father, we can't be any more grateful. Thank you, God, that you rescued us from this, out of this world. Thank you, Father, that you lavished your great love on us through Jesus. We look at him, Father, he is inspiring. His love, his boldness, his kindness, his greatness, God, compelled us. And that's why we really God to worship you, because of the cross, because of the love that you have shown us. Father, we are weak without you, but we want to be powerful in you. God, give us the power today as you go on and share. I pray that God, you will lead each one of us. And God, use your spirit powerfully so that your love can be displayed in our lives to reach out to so many lost souls in this world. Father, thank you for your blood and your body. We love you so much, Father. We're so grateful for you. God, please continue to purify our hearts and watch over us as church. We love you so much in Jesus' name. Amen.